I guess it depends on what type of small business or startup they're wanting to start. If they're not sure what they want to do, I personally recommend starting an online business just because it's so much cheaper than, you know, a brick and mortar or retail type of store. Um, I mean, even if they're selling products where they think they might need a store, I still would recommend starting online um, because the overhead is just hardly anything. I mean, I run all my businesses for under 100. I think it's actually under 60 now a month. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Sarah John. And uh, Sarah is a quick introduction, went to school and majored in journalism teachers told her she was a good writer so she decided she'd be a journalist got married at a young age so just got a, i think an associate's degree and she can uh, correct me if i'm wrong and uh, needed to start working and paying rent and whatnot and had a variety of jobs including uh, retail and banking and credit repair and others um, i think by 2008 over a matter of just a, a couple of years two or three years she'd had six different jobs and then decided to do a photography business but it was uh, a bit too expensive to maintain and keep going then decided to go online and try a few different things, drop shipping, affiliate marketing, and others um, before writing a book called The Frugalpreneur and uh, launched a podcast with the help or with the book as well. And has been doing that for a while and also started a podcast production company. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Sarah. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I just uh, took a much longer journey and <laughs> tried to condense it down into just uh, 30 seconds. So why don't you unpack that a bit and tell us uh, as, you, as college got started, how, how your journey got started from there? Sure. Yeah. So I, I went to a community college um, at first. And so I got a two-year degree in journalism. The plan was to go on um, to get a four-year degree, but I ended up getting married instead and, you know, moving out of my parents' house and having to pay bills. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so I started working right away. Like you said, like in retail and banking and just these different um, jobs. But there was one year in particular, 2008, where I had six different jobs within that year um, throughout the course of the year. Things just weren't working out and I realized that I wanted to work for myself, at least at some point, because uh, I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial drive, I guess, but it, you know, I kind of did what everyone says to do the whole go to college thing. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, so I started the photography business because I like taking photos, but I realized that now one, one quick oh. question, just out of curiosity. So Six jobs over a year. That's quite a few jobs. And so just out of a little bit off or off, off the main topic, but what was the favorite job of those six jobs? If there is a favorite or which one was the best one? Um, probably, well, I would say probably being a receptionist at a vet hospital. The reason I got let go from there, well, most, some of these jobs I quit, some I was let go from. This particular one was because 
anytime someone came in with a dog that was going to get euthanized, I would start crying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was only there for six weeks. So I I can't understand a little bit if, uh, if that's the case, it (laughs) might make it a bit awkward for the people that are getting their dog euthanized to have you as a receptionist if you're crying each time. So that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I was all right. <laughs> this was curious so that was that that answers enough of the question now with that is in my my second question so you went to school for journalism and uh i think it was an associate degree got married mm-hmm. decided hey you need to help to, to get some income to afford expenses which definitely is understandable but what made you decide to go into photography as opposed to using or doing something in journalism because unless i'm er, wrong which is certainly possible journalism is writing photo or, or photography is pictures so how did you what made you decide to go that direction yeah so I mean what I learned about the whole journalism thing is that in order to get in you know to a radio station or a tv station or a newspaper or something like that you you have to either know someone or have maybe a master's or something like it's a very difficult um position to get into basically (laughs) and so i i learned that while i was getting my associates my teachers i took journalism classes and they were like yeah just so you know (laughs) this is not going to be easy but um so i didn't even um but i like taking photos i was like well that's easy enough to throw up a website and some pictures and start advertising for free on craigslist back then and um was able to get quite a few like weddings is mainly what i was doing Mm. but it is expensive to maintain the equipment and everything so plus i liked i realized i like taking photos of animals landscapes and architecture more so than people so (laughs) but at least you didn't cry when you took pictures each time right (laughs) that's true (laughs) Sometimes so, I probably wanted to, though, at some of those weddings. For a different reason, but yeah. yeah. So now, so you do photography for a period of time, and you say, okay, you know, one is I, I found that, that maybe I don't like to take pictures in these kind of, you know, environments type of thing. Not that they're bad environments, but just not the type of pictures you want. And so then you decided to go into doing a, a few things online. So kind of what made you go in that direction, and how did it work out? Yeah, I tried a bunch of different things like drop shipping, affiliate marketing, blogging. I did have a online travel agency for a while, which actually was fairly successful, probably along with the photography business. Both of those I had for five to seven years. Hmm. But um, and because I love to travel and everything like that, and I love planning trips. But with the, when COVID hit, all my bookings got canceled and because people couldn't travel and the thing about being a travel agent is you don't get paid until after the person completes their travel so it's a bunch of work on the front end and then if something happens or they cancel or whatever and so i had already been kind of thinking about um because i was kind of towards the tail end of me doing the travel agency is when the podcast was picking up and all that stuff and i started becoming more interested in that um so I was kind of thinking about ending the travel agency at some point because it was a lot to kind of balance but um 
but then yeah with COVID I pretty much had to (laughs) (laughs) well it wasn't left with a a lot of choice but you know and definitely I think that the travel industry in in general has you know been hit pretty hard with COVID and it's still probably a bit in flux with it seems like you know every week is something different but but uh, you know before you hit COVID and as you're because I think you started the podcast and did the book and that kind of prior to sh- or fully shutting everything down, if, if unless, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but with that, you know, what kind of prompted to kind of go to the frugalpreneur, writing the book, doing the, you know, the podcast and doing other things and kind of going in that direction? Was it a passion project, a creative outlet? Did you think, hey, I'm going to get rich off a of podcast or kind of what made you decide to go in that direction? Yeah, so it's interesting um, because because I had tried a bunch of different online business models, I decided that I should write a book about it because, well, it was kind of funny because there was one day I was just like, man, I've learned so much. I could just write a book about it. And then I was like, actually, I think I will (laughs) take my journalism to your degree and do something with it. Anyway, um, so the book is about like the different types of online business models and how to do it on a budget or affordably. And the, the word frugalpreneur came to me. I was in a Dave Ramsey financial peace class (laughs) and he's talking about all these ways to pay off debt and save money. And I'm thinking, okay, all of these are great, but what about ways to make more money? Well, and, and that's kind of also how I got the idea for the book Mm. to help and then I was like frugalpreneur that like the word just came to me and so I wrote the book and while I was writing it I decided I should launch a podcast also called frugalpreneur to coincide with the book as an extra way to kind of market the book and whatnot well and it was only going to be you know 10 episodes or something like that and I was getting more leverage and traction with the podcast than the book and I love the connections I was making, the networking and all of that. And so I decided to keep the podcast going. I actually just hit over a hundred episodes in a couple of years. And um, actually I interviewed you, that episode should be coming out. Well, maybe by the time people hear this one, maybe it is already out. <laughs> um, but if yeah, not soon. either to come soon to come or, or just launch. What are the, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but And it was in the process of, you know, podcasting that I just fell in love with it. And because I was already listening to podcasts for about a year or so prior to starting my own and fell in love with it, almost obsessed or addicted to it. I've got, I subscribed to over 30 podcasts and, um, and I was doing all the editing and production and all that stuff of my own show. Um, And I decided, well, why not? get paid to do it for other people if I enjoy it so much so then I launched the podcast production agency and I think that's going to be my it took me over a decade of trying this then the other thing to finally find that thing you know Hmm. because you know one of the things I've been doing this podcast and and being on other people's podcasts and just loving I I said I'm probably I don't know how many but probably a similar note uh, subscribe to them and there you know I don't know if I listen to all of the podcasts that I'm subscribed to as frequently as every episode some of them I love and listen to more frequently when I walk or drive into work and you know go home from work and others just more on out on a run and occasionally but the thing that I think is difficult with a lot of podcasts is 
you know, be and same thing to with the, you know, self-written book or those type of things is how you monetize them. In other words, you know, I found it interesting, Frugalpreneur, and I think that they are great avenues if you have a plan, but where a lot of times people struggle is, you know, able to, you put out a podcast, it's hard to get gain an audience unless you do advertising. If you do advertising on, you know, Facebook ads or something of that nature, then you can maybe gain enough audience that you get, you know, someone that sponsors a podcast, but it's still difficult. And, you know, you have to be able to promote it. And I think people just think, well, if I put it out there, people will listen to it. So is it, you know, how do you, did you be or did you figure out a way to monetize it? Did you figure out how to do it, or is you know how are you still figuring that out, or kind of where is that at in the process? Yeah, so I recently uh, I have a few sponsorships now. I just reached out to different companies that I actually used their products um, and asked if they'd be interested. It was like, I mean, of course, there were obviously a lot of no responses and no's and things, but I still got over a handful of yeses and wanting to sponsor anywhere from one to four episodes each. So, um, so I'm kind of starting that process, getting started with that. That's one way. Um, uh, how I started monetizing was through affiliate marketing, which I still do is like, say I have a guest on who has a book coming out. I'll in the show notes, I'll link to the Amazon link um, the affiliate link or say someone comes on, they have a software program or they have a course or whatever it might be. Um, if they have any kind of affiliate or referral program, I'll sign up for that. Or maybe I already am signed up for it and then link to that in the show notes. Or sometimes I'm able to work it out to where the person will provide a discount code just for my listeners and so and that that gives people extra incentive to actually go through my link basically um so that's also a way to monetize some people create um you know t-shirts and stuff like that i have done that but i've gotten no sales at all from that (laughs) so i don't know how profitable it is to to do merch but uh, and I mean maybe if you had a really big popular website then yeah maybe um let's see what else so affiliate marketing sponsorships merch also you're having your own products and services um so I'm hoping that you know through the podcast I occasionally reference the fact that I have a podcast production agency or whatever so you hope that maybe people will eventually go that route or offer you know a free lead magnet to at least get them into your email um and you can keep them up to date with things like that so i would say those are the at least the main ways i'm monetizing um all right well we won't make you give away too or too many more of your secrets (laughs) but no i I just find that interesting because on the one hand i love podcasts and yet the other hand you know a lot of times you'll see people get really excited and they release really good content but then you kind of notice that it slowly tapers off and then it completely goes away. And my guess, and it's always been my guess because I've never asked them, was that, you know, it's hard to monitor. If, 
if the only thing you're doing is a podcast. Now, I think that to your point, there's other ways to monetize it. I think if you're doing it as a support of your business and you're, you know, it's a constant contact with your clientele or potential clientele and it's generating it for your other business, which is, you know, sounds like a little bit of on the, even the podcast production, it helps to offset some of that. Then it seems to make sense, but just seems like it was just an interesting question. A little bit of a side note, what I just found interesting because I love podcasts to myself and I'm always interested as, you know, as others are doing it, kind of how that works out. Now, one, one other question you, or, or think, topic you just kind of hit on is, so now you, you know, you've done the, you did the podcast, you've done the book and you're saying, okay, learned a lot of the tricks of the trade, so to speak, or learned of what to do, what not to do and how to do it well. And you start your podcast, you know, production agency, you know, is, how is that going? Is it, you know, taking off too early to tell, still figuring things out or kind of, you know, where's that at in the process? So the thing with that is besides mentioning it a couple times on the podcast just recently and occasionally in a podcast interview like this, I haven't done any marketing or ads or anything like that, which I do plan to do at some point. Um, I'm like really slowly, gradually kind of getting there. Uh, But I have had some people contact me out of the blue by finding me through like a google search so i'm like oh i must have some i must be doing well with my seo then (laughs) Hmm. um so i do have actually some people i'm talking with right now um that i've submitted proposals for and we're talking and whatnot so um yeah i guess i'm kind of going at it slowly or easing in because i not that I would get some big rush of like 10 clients or something and then not know what to do with myself, but I guess I, I like to take it, you know, maybe one at a time or kind of slowly um, get mm. into that. But yeah, so I guess I could say it's too early to tell, but I think, um, I mean, the fact that I haven't even started advertising and marketing really besides just the occasional mention, but mm. I, people are still finding me and, and, you know, interested, I, I think that's a good sign. I always say, hey, if, if you're having people coming to you with a uh, minimal to no marketing and, uh, you know, without uh, exorbitant outreach and they're wanting to use your services, that's always a good sign you're doing something right. And it's a wanted service. And so kind of piggy or piggybacking off of that, so now you're kind of, that brings a bit of to where you're at today on your journey, but looking into the future, you know, is the is the goal of the aspiration to build a big podcast production company and help other businesses. And that's kind of the focus. Is there another direction you're going that there are other services you're offering and kind of, you know, forecasting out kind of the next six to 12 months for the business, where do you see things headed and what's the plan? Yeah. So definitely be to grow the podcast production agency. Um, Now I haven't decide if I want to keep it so small that it's just me and maybe one or two other people like virtual assistants basically or if I want it to be a bigger one that I haven't I mean I guess we'll just see how it goes um but yeah I definitely foresee or in the next six to 12 months uh that being obviously the primary income generator for sure Awesome. Well, it sounds like it'll be a, a fun six months as you continue to, the business continues to evolve, figure out where or where or how big you want it, where you want to focus it at, who's going to be the clientele, how to reach them. And that's always, you know, in the one sense, it's the scariest part of the business because it's the most unknown. But it, for me, it's always kind of the fun part of figuring out the business because it also kind of is one where it's a 
new territory that you you get to work to figure out, and it is uh, is a bit of the unknown. It can be both frightening and exciting at the same time. So now with that, you know, so as we've kind of gone towards, you know, gone through your journey a bit, looked into a little bit of the future. Always have uh, two questions I ask at the end of each podcast, so I'm going to jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is. Along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what'd you learn from it? Well, I would say in general, I feel like I wasted a lot of time trying a bunch of different things. Like I, I had, um, what would you call it? Shiny object syndrome, where you hear about a new type of way to make money online. You're like, ooh, I gotta try that or I gotta try that. So I would say just I mean I can't think of a specific business I've had that was necessarily probably several actually because I've had probably over like 30 businesses over the course of time but you know some of them went only went so far as like making a website for it and then I was like "Eh, I don't think this is gonna work and moved on to the next thing Mm. now I'm finally over all of that but I I feel like I probably wasted a lot of time but, you know, I've told people that before and they're like, well, but it was because of those experiences that you wrote the book, which then launched the podcast, which then launched the podcast production agency. So it's kind of like, well, maybe it was for a reason or um, supposed to happen that way. But still part of me is like, oh, man, I wish I had started my podcast a decade ago. Um, <laughs> but I didn't even know what a podcast was a decade ago, so. I think they were probably around, but they definitely yeah. have, have gotten increased popularity, I think, uh, over the last few years as there's been more content, there's been a, or more accessibility, bigger platforms and otherwise. So I think that that definitely makes sense. And I think on the the shiny, you know, shiny object is it, a bit of, I think, a lot of entrepreneurs in the sense that you have a lot of ideas, a lot of things that you think would be good and could work and would be worthwhile and successful. And, you know, for most of the time, 95% of those are all bad ideas. It will never work it won't be successful but a lot of times it takes a bit of weeding through several of those ideas that you know might have been the shiny object or might have been the ones that weren't going to be successful before you land on those and so I think that it's one that's a little bit kind of part of the journey that entrepreneurs often have as opposed to the movies and the television show where it just seems like they wake up one day and they build a a multi-million dollar company in in a matter of a week in reality there's a lot more journey to that so I definitely think that that's a good lesson to learn. So second question I always ask is, you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what type of small business or startup they're wanting to start. If they're not sure what they want to do, I personally recommend starting an online business just because it's so much cheaper than you know, a brick and mortar or retail type of store. Um, I mean, even if they're selling products where they think they might need a store, I still would recommend starting online um, Mm. because the overhead is just hardly anything. I mean, I run all my businesses for under a hundred, I think it's actually under 60 now a month. And so, but if they're set on opening up, let's say a brick and mortar or retail Oh, well, I don't have any experience with that. So I guess I don't have advice on that. <laughs> no, I, I like, but, I, but I think that if I were to expand out just a little bit of what you said, I think the applicable takeaway is that 
looking for the ways that you can test out the idea before you go and invest a lot of money in a brick and mortar. And, you know, that can sometimes be, hey, I want to do a restaurant. Why don't you go try a pop-up tent at the local farmer's market or, or start a food truck? Or you do, hey, I want to start a brick and mortar. Well, yeah, but why don't you try selling it online? And well, I can't sell it online. How will people know about it? Well, people aren't just going to come to your store just because you have a brick and mortar. You still have to be able to figure out how to market it, sell and reach your audience. And so I think a lot of times we want to jump to the shiny objects or the cool ones. And I, oh, it'll be great to have a big, you know, big presence or big store. And yet it oftentimes will kill the business because you don't have the other experience and things set up and thought through that if you give it more time, keep your the expenses low, at least in that initial initial point, then it allows you to figure out the business and, and have it grow. So I think that there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of wisdom to that. And I think it is applicable for those that are even looking to someday start the the bigger the bigger store or something of that nature. With that, now we've kind of gone through your journey, you've answered the questions, I turn the mic a bit over to you. If people want to reach out to you, if they want to be an, a customer, they want to be a client of the podcast production, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Let's see. So if people want to check out my podcast, it's Frugalpreneur. Um, it's in all the uh, podcast directories. Um, as far as my podcast production agency, that's podseam.com, P-O-D-S-E-A-M. And as far as just reaching out to me in general, my website is the sarahstjohn.com that's t-h-e-s-a-r-a-h-s-t-j-o-h-n and i actually give away i have three books actually now but i give away the free um pdf version at the sarahstjohn.com forward slash free um and then if people are they know they want to start a business but they're not sure like what tools and how to do it for practically free or very close to it if you go to my website, there's a tab that says 27 tools. If you click that, it has basically the 27 things I use and recommend that. And probably I would say at least half of them are free. <laughs> so. Well, I like it. And I think that that's uh, definitely a lot of good ways to connect up, go get more information, check out your services and definitely encourage everybody to do so. So. Well, as we wrap up, thank you again for coming on the podcast, Sarah. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and uh, you'd like to be a guest on the show, just go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. Two more things. Make sure to click, make sure to or subscribe, and make sure to share. So that's three things. So you get an extra one for free. And last but not least, if you ever need help with uh, your uh, patents, trademarks, or anything else with the business, feel free to go to inventive or so you go to strategymeeting.com. I was going to say inventive guest, but strategymeeting.com. Grab some time with us to chat, and we're always uh, happy to make sure uh, to help you out and make sure you're taken care of. Well, thank you again, Sarah, and uh, wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. 